Black Men Cry Too is an invitation for men of color to feel safe to unpack their hurt and share their truth. This space was created as an invitation for men of color to feel empowered to know it's okay that they can cry too. Yo, during the winter, there's another pandemic coming. You might be spending a whole lot of time inside with your balls, in your hands, on your lap. It doesn't matter. You might have ordered some new Fenty boxers. I hope you got the silk ones. You know, the one that are like real smooth, give you waves down there. But you don't want that. It gets hot, it gets sweaty. You should get yourself a lawnmower, lawnmower 3.0. I got myself one of them Johns, listen baby smooth it's like i slide my things in and out if you use the lawnmower 3.0 and you use code blackmancry2 t-o-o you get 20 percent off your purchase don't say i didn't tell you nothing on this episode of black men cry 2 i'm still sitting here in boston and i have the pleasure to interview mr kenny today thank you for sitting down with me of course my pleasure Get off. Give you a little bit of that bean town hospitality. Oh, it didn't even sound good. Tastes like cream chowder. Oh, so not a great reference put together, but <laughs> besides all that, so to kick it off, tell us a little bit more about Afropolitan mm -hmm. and what that is and what it means to you. Um, a little bit of background. I grew up in Haiti, um, and for the first. 17 years of my life, so I went back when I was two, came back when I was, well, my math is horrible, but came back when I was 17, and um, I had to go through the transition of like, now being black American and understanding what that's like. And my first um, enterprise with the assimilation came in the form of fashion. Um, so I remember that I went to uh, Eblen's one time, and because um, I needed to update my wardrobe. <laughs> And um, I'm gonna date myself a little bit, but I try to, I got myself a pair of Jabot jeans, right? But um, I got myself, you know, a size 36 by 36, cause that's what real niggas wear. And um, you know, the white tees and all of that, like the three, four, five, six X, cause you need the layers to kind of like. So you were one of the multiple. I mean, we were going to try some things. Okay. We were going to try some mm, things. I love this journey. And um, I got home and I put it on. Like, I literally got, like, what I thought was the most popping fit. I couldn't wait to go to work. Right. I couldn't wait to go to work. This was for work. Come on. Like, I was, okay. listen, I was 18. I was working at Stop and Shop. So, like, shout out Stop and Shop this by the deli. Stop and is this, Shop. Is this thin enough for you, for your, your cheese, man? Um, say hi to the kids. But, um... Anyways, but like all the high school kids would come in with their kicks, they'd come in looking fresh, and I was the fob, you know, slicing cheese. So I wanted to know them that I've been watching 106 in Park, so I, I got a little something. Yo, when I tell you I look like Bozo the Clown, and I looked outside, I was like, look at yourself. Look at yourself. You really gonna leave your house like this? And I literally said, no, I can't do this. So I returned it. And that was the first time that I felt um, othered among my own people. Because growing up in Haiti, um, all my classmates, all my friends, my teachers, everyone around me was Haitian, black. Um, 
proud or otherwise. So this was the first time that my blackness um, felt inadequate. Um, so again, that was one aspect of it that kind of like opened my eyes to um, the fact that blackness as a concept isn't monolithic. Um, and again, I've had the privilege of traveling and going through um, <clears throat> to other countries and other, you know, the, I haven't been to Africa yet. That's one of like my life missions, but like I've seen how black people across the pond in Europe and South America and the Caribbean outside of just like the fact that our melanin is something that like keeps us together found and create joy and safety in ways that one we were not designed on this current iteration of our system for us to flourish in that way right we've had like ancestors taken from the west coast of africa and then they sprinkled us like you know everywhere to kind of like make sure that we didn't have that sense of pride and then you go to Haiti, you find joy among poverty and a bunch of things. You go to Cuba. I was lucky enough that like two years after the borders were open, I got to visit Cuba and I was like, yo, you've traveled back in time and it's like, what is this? You go to Europe, I went to Portugal and I saw black people from Portugal and I was like, what is happening? Um, so that really got me thinking about how um, again, like how diverse our cultures, our beliefs, the way that we come together, the way that we celebrate, the way that we mourn um, is unique to who we are, but it's beyond just like what's on a birth certificate or the melanin, and it's a way of being. And wherever you go, if you're one of the too few black people there, as you oftentimes would be, you come together and in that moment, you guys are citizens of something. Like you're not citizens of America of when you're NOPWI and you found the other brother. So it's like, okay, this feels different. Like I know I'm in America, but this feels different because there's a bond here that we can go across states. We end up traveling together as like friends and we still get some, and there's a pride that's not tied to the land. Um, so I don't know if that's a term that like <clears throat> I conjured up or something that came up in a dream, um, but Afropolitan, that's what that means to me. Um, and through NYA Boston and a partnership with the Boston Red Sox, we hosted a series of events and festivals at Fenway Park um, called Afropolis that is a celebration of um, what happens when black people come together um, and wanna celebrate resilience, but also joy um, through music specifically um, in the form of a festival, but to answer your question, that's what um, Afropolitan means to me. You speak with a lot of confidence. When Can you recall when you sort of developed self-confidence? And especially for black men, like basically society tries to rip that away from you. Mm -hmm. So can you recall when your self-confidence kicked in and why it's so important for you to lead with self-confidence as a black man? Oh man, if you speak to some people, including my therapist, they will tell you that self-confidence is something that I'm actively working on developing. Um, and I also reckon when there was a time where I identified as being shy. And a lot of times what I thought of myself, the conversations that I would want to have with people that I couldn't like 
breach that threshold of courage or whatever it is i would have with myself in a way that is entertaining and kind of fun but also creative and, and then i would read and then that would impact kind of like how i view things um and then i realized that when someone told me that like and I was thinking about public speaking and I remember that I went to a public speaking course in college specifically and I was like, I understand, I know that I have the fear of public speaking. And there was an exercise that the instructor did where he was like, come in front of the class. He was like, what's your name? I said, Kenny Mascari. He was like, oh, Mascari, that's a, can you tell me more about your last name? I was like, well, you know, he was like, did you eat breakfast this morning? And I was like, I did. He was like, what'd you eat? And I was like, I had cereal, da da da. He goes, how was that having that conversation? I was like, well, it's cool. He goes, how long do you think you we spoke for? I said, I don't know. He's like, well, I was timing us. That was 10 minutes. So you just gave a 10 minute presentation about yourself in a way that one, you are comfortable because you knew the, sub the subject, you knew the topic. And you can tell me you just told me 10 minutes about yourself do you think you have another 45 minutes that you could give me about yourself and i was like yeah i was like okay so your fear isn't of public speaking your fear is of saying things that you don't know whether or not you're right you don't know whether or not someone is going to receive that and clown you. Judge you. And, and your and your fear of maybe being embarrassed in case you are wrong and how do you deal with being wrong? And I'm like, okay, so I'm putting myself through that process internally already. And the impact in a way is the same. And you just demonstrated to me in front of like my 40 classmates that I can do it. So I think, I'm not sure, like I'm sure there are a number of other experiences and like, you know, like I said, trying different things and then seeing the reaction and being more comfortable and saying, okay, no, you look stupid when you do that. So why would you continue doing that? So I was like, okay, so it seems as if, if you talk about what you know, the odds of you being nervous or running out of material are reduced. So just talk about what you know. Be confident in the fact that you've done the research, that it may be limited and there's more that you can probably learn. So be open to learning more even in discord even as you're like you know having a written conversation but don't step into something that you don't know if you ask me to talk about brain surgery i maybe got 10 minutes for you but if you ask me to you know give you a two-hour present minutes on brain surgery absolutely you want time with you got time oh, okay. bring some liquor because <laughs> I'm, I'm a better surgeon when i'm drunk <laughs> but um yeah so that was a moment that those were two kind of like things that made me go one don't do it to yourself like at least owe yourself that much and two don't put yourself in positions where you have to defend things that you had no business putting out there in the first place um so i think i created a lane for me where i felt safe um where i felt like even if i was being challenged it wasn't because of ill intentions it wasn't because of the fact that you were trying to get me. We were just trying to like push each other's boundaries and essentially see what more we can get from each other. So like, and if we're stepping outside of that, I can say, you know what? We're going somewhere that I don't think I can navigate this conversation. So like, let me get back to you on this one. Or if you have specific questions you want me to refer back to, give me some time to like properly, um, you know, do some research and 
I'll get back to you. So I think that those are the two things that have really developed my perceived self-confidence. But again, every two weeks, me and my therapist talk about, you know, imposter syndrome and other things that still arise that um, I'm still mindful of the work that still needs to be done. I love that you brought up the term imposter syndrome. Um, that's something that I've recently been speaking about with my therapist as well. But one thing that I mentioned to her that I'm curious to hear your viewpoint on is I don't have imposter syndrome when it comes to corporate America. Mm -hmm. I got my master's, so mm -hmm. I deserve and earned the seat at the table. Mm -hmm. What I have imposter syndrome with is my pay rate. I want my pay to be mm -hmm. a little bit higher. Mm -hmm. But as a creative, I tend to have imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like your imposter syndrome only comes when it comes to your corporate job or does it relate to you as an individual creative or does it go to both um one thing that i'm not a psychologist so i'm not going to like try to dissuade how your imposter syndrome arises in that situation but i think the fact that as a black woman with the qualifications and your rate not being adequate to what you know you deserve is not imposter syndrome. They designed it for you to think that way. So especially when you know I got the qualifications, so my my imposter syndrome is not manifesting itself in my ability to deliver, but it's in what I get in return. That's not imposter syndrome. That's like somebody needs to get their ass kicked mm -hmm. respectfully. Um, but we'll get there. I don't want to like you know act okay. like I I know how to fix your life because obviously with me, um, I think. It's both in the sense that I have no problem applying for a job that requires something that I can't give you a piece of paper for. Because if you put me in the room, my experiences, and you allow me to share my experiences and my hopes of what I choose to um, develop through this partnership or in this role or in this relationship, then um, you will want to give me a chance, right? So I always go on bet on yourself and make sure that like as much as you can go without you know the piece of paper of course there are certain um avenues that you can't um easily um walk through those doors like a lawyer right um but be mindful of the fact that those opportunities exist and the fact that like if you um believe in the fact that like in yourself You've done the work, you trust the process, your values are what are driving this endeavor. Um, you can move in that area feeling comfortable. And I have that. Whereas creatively, um, I have more imposter syndrome in the fact that I think I'm a late bloomer in how I choose to express my creativity. Um, half of it stems from the fact that growing up, um, steam not steam but like out of school time activities and um hobbies and exploration type of stuff were not things that my family encouraged so all of this was like bottled up energy and creativity that i never thought that i had the right to express um for my job i do what i do and the return is my paycheck every week as a creative, I have to see whether or not my friends reshared my stuff to validate the fact that one, they heard it and they want to um, co-sign. Two, 
Is my stuff being played? Do people like it? Oh my God, when's the last time I released something? Like, oh my God, this DJ just did something. I have to do that. Do I need to be published? So, and the dividends are not necessarily financial. They're also not timely in the sense that at the end of the day, my imposter syndrome was like, you know what? At least you got a consistent paycheck that validates your work. Um, so when I say they both exist, um, sometimes they also trickle down and how one impacts the other. So I could be as focused on you know delivering what I have to do at work, um, but because I have another project that I'm working on on the creative side and I have a deadline that I'm trying to meet, then I could be at, if my boss is watching this, I have the ability to multitask multiple projects. So I'm not saying that one will suffer, but there are times Go where there are times where my anxiety <laughs> on one aspect of my life does filter and my ability to focus or deliver other things. So um, what I do of what I found myself to break out of that is to, um, and it, it's, it's a new tactic. I don't know how effective it is, but it's working for me now is that like, I put my anxiety in different buckets. So when the imposter syndrome, I was like, oh, you're not a good photographer. Cool. What makes a good photographer? I don't know. Cute pictures. Cool. You put that in the bucket. You're not a fire DJ. What do fire DJs do? I don't know. We can't do events now. So maybe you can do a mix. Maybe you can do a playlist. Cool. Put that in the bucket. Um, you're struggling with this and that at work. Okay. And then I create a success plan for each of them. And I found the one that's easiest for me to do in this moment. So what I do is kind of like I'm hacking my brain to find like the different ways that my imposter syndrome is clouding um, my brain essentially and aspects of creativity, focus and everything. And I just find one and I was like, let me fix this and then see what else happens. And more often than not, you figure out that you start a reaction and um, one of my favorite quotes is that everything you touch changes. Everything you change changes you. And that change is the only thing worth pursuing. In a sense, that change is God. Right? So when I'm doing the change in myself, I know that I'm doing the work of God and figuring out what I'm trying to do. So that's how I deal with imposter syndrome in a way that... Um, again, it's very new. Uh, I'm not saying that I'm enlightened to something new, but this is what's working for me right now. And um, yeah. So that was a very creative way to deal with imposter syndrome. And I hope people watching this adapt that as well. Is that something you came up with on your own or did you work with your therapist through that? Um, it's a combination of, you know, my therapist offering tools and, you know, um, ways to deal with when I'm triggered or even when I'm going through whatever episode or situation that I find myself in so he'll make suggestions like oh have you thought about getting a therapy lamp and I was like you know I thought about that or he'll send me a YouTube video so I would say it's a combination of suggestions and trying things that work for me and say you know what I like yoga but I'm not gonna do yoga for an hour but I got 15 minutes of it so I'm gonna take 15 minutes of yoga and make that as part of my practice of things that ground me um with regards to like other things. I was like, okay, I'm not gonna build a Twitch follow-up on for a DJ because that's what all the, my homie DJs are doing. They've transitioned to virtual and building their Twitch channels and all these things. I was like, I don't have all this in me right now. Yeah. 
to try to use a plant analogy since you're a plant dad it's like you figured out tools to help you grow and continue to blossom mm -hmm. what tools do you use to keep you rooted and staying motivated like what's your go-to mantra how do you wake up in the morning and be like i'm gonna dedicate and fight past this imposter syndrome yeah. and work on my craft that keeps me going yeah. um shout out to my tribe i definitely have a crew of people from family members and people who just organically rock with you for and and my favorite thing is that some people don't know what you do but they'll be like yo i just rock with your energy there's something about you that and people have said this that had me came up to you so i just wanted to introduce myself and you surround yourself with these people that one reminds you of the fact that you know you're you're attracting good energy at least um it may not all be good and you have to figure it out but at least on the onset this this feels good and the other thing too is um i definitely journal and i have a gratitude jar because it's very easy to forget the small things that really make your heart your heart smile and in that moment it might be small but in a day where it's gloomy outside and you know you've had ramen for the past three you know breakfast lunch and dinner and Yikes. it be like that sometimes and, and you go through your gratitude jar and you have a date of us like oh um your sister asked you to be the godfather of their child and in that moment that just means something completely different and then when you talk about energy it was like bro you have a godson that maybe you haven't spoken to in a while or that you want to like develop a, a bond with so it just does something again that hacks into your system that triggers a reaction that makes you want to do something for yourself so that's how i ground myself what quality do you like most about yourself like this is a job interview since you just plug your and i have to here. pick one give me three no i'll give you one because you asked nicely um i would say my ability to ridicule myself is probably my favorite because um i think my creativity stems from my ability to just take those risks and to be okay to look dumb and that came from working with young people um someone's gotta be the first one to do it someone's gotta break the ice and in my way of building relationships i've developed that skill that has really served me and a lot of rooms to just and and what i mean by ridiculing myself i'm not seeing in a self-deprecating way but like to utilize um laughter as a way to diffuse um atmospheres and cases that that's appropriate although you tell me what's appropriate and i'll tell you after whether or not um it is and what would you say is the quality that you would like to make the most improvement Ooh, um Consistency is a word that, um, and and <laughs> it's. I feel like because I'm wired to embrace and search change a lot, that on the other end, what I need to balance myself is develop consistency and those practices and seeking um, ways to be creative and knowledge and all those things. Because sometimes I'm on and I love it, and sometimes. I'm down and 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 I allow myself to experience those but um, I think if in every aspect of myself I can develop 
more consistency or control around um, how I manage productive energy um, is something that I think would uh, make me even a better brother. <laughs> and how can people take what areas of their life need the most improvement and stop thinking about it as a weakness mm. and sort of use it as like a strength like how you said before you are able to laugh at yourself mm -hmm. and that's something that's helped you create creatively that could have been something that was you know a little insecurity before mm -hmm. um if you look for insecurities you're always gonna find one right but at the same time you are a continuous masterpiece that you are constantly engaging with and again it goes back to when i was saying like when you touch something it changes but it also changes you so even there are times where you're very proficient or confident in one aspect of your life and through time or because of evolution or because you step away from that practice or um your your relationship with the subject matter then it allows for insecurities and other things to to creep up so um yeah when i think about like the consistency and what's important for me wait am i saying something the right question about what i need Ew. yes but um yeah i think that's at least for me that like brings me back to embracing change but can you ground me again to where i was going with the last question it was how can someone yes. take their like insecurities yes, yes. and sort of make it into a strength. Um, yes, yeah, so again, like, first of all, be, oh, that's that's the thing that um, a great person, a great friend, cousin, professional, who will rename nameless, would say is that, like, be kind to yourself. Um, even if you have an insecurity, it's okay, but it's not something that hinders you from being your best self. So understand the impact that what you want to develop and how it makes you um, a better citizen, a better brother, a better friend, a better um, spiritual practitioner, or whatever it is, like explore that weakness, not just from one particular angle where you're deficient, because that could also be your strength in another aspect. So really take different perspectives and like think about, think of it as like you're, you're conducting surgery. And it's like, you know, I'm going to take a small piece and you know what? That's oh too big of a piece. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I see. You're keeping up. Um, damn, I need to add MD to my name. But anyways, um, yeah, just like, just keep breaking it down. It's kind of like, try to understand what that looks like. For instance, if you're, if you're inquisitive or if you have like if you're someone who likes to use their hands or anything but I'll, I'll take a mechanic if something's wrong with the car they go inside to figure out what it is and they also look at like well do you need this now if I remove this then this will stop working but if I don't fix this this is also impacting all those ways can I replace this with another part I don't know if that's what mechanics do but if I were a mechanic that's what I would do but it's important to like just like hack um, the thing that you're trying to work on because it's not a flaw in totality it's just a flaw in the singular way that you're applying it right now because that same skill has presented itself as something to be proud of and as a strength so um yeah but if if you really want to turn it around then break it down into again like this is 
the one aspect that I wanted to turn into something else and then give yourself the resources, the kindness, and um, the confidence that it will turn into something for you. But I like that analogy. That was very nicely worded. I appreciate that. Sorry. So as a black man, flip it back, what is important for you to keep in mind when it comes to your self-esteem? Um, you are perfectly designed to be great and don't let the circumstances dictate the outcome of your personal journey. Okay. Giving us a little heat. I hope everybody's taking those little one-liners. Get it tatted Mike somewhere, drops. write it down. Um, make it your password for your email. That's a long-ass password, but you know, <laughs> whatever it is to keep it in mind. Because you are definitely designed to be great. I love that. And what advice do you have for those that are trying to discover like their authentic self and not even just discover, be comfortable stepping into it? be your first and biggest fan first like if you don't if you're trying something and you don't appreciate it um because as a creative as a human being who seeks um connections and and finding ways that we can build and relate to each other um if you're not relating and engaging with yourself and what you're trying to put out and put yourself into um you're you know leaving yourself short of what could be um and it can be intimidating at times um but again like as a referee i practice every mechanic and the mirror first before i try it on the field because i want to make sure before people see me like what do i look like if you're a photographer you see your pictures first and you're like oh i'm gonna pick this one because this seems based on everything that i have in my standard and my skills currently like something that is good so be kind to yourself and um how you're trying to do different things but also like be your biggest fan first how does tuning into your creative self and putting your work out there help you unlock your authentic self oh man um i I think I mentioned earlier that you need to be your first fan, your fan yeah, first. So listen to your stuff, rock with it. And then I mentioned having a tribe earlier that also makes you feel good. So you share that with them. So you're tapping into your network and, you know, and you're tapping into resources that, you know, you, you have access to and hopefully are not finite depending on the relationship that you have with those people and in that case they will either validate you um in a way that they're saying no nah, this is good like no suggestions or anything or they will support you and you know further in your vision and that's why you have these people so um and again that's the other side of being a creative like at the end of it the first step is for yourself but until you put it out there and you leave it out there for criticism, either positive or negative, um, or even just like that's one thing you can't control and that's part of the artistic journey as well because that feeds you and that inspires you to go back. Because um, like I promise you, the second mix is going to be different than the first one. Your second photo shoot is going to be different than the first one because you've allowed you know, the universe and the people around you that you trust to to do their magic so because you touched you touched it you allow other people to touch it it changes and it comes back to you 
and you're changed. So I would say don't don't hesitate to please yourself and those around you. And if you got those two covered, it's gonna be a very fulfilling, creative endeavor for you and whatever it is that you're seeking. How do you deal with negative criticism and not use it as a way to shut down? There's a stigma that creatives are sensitive and we don't do well with negative criticism. We are, because we put and, and the emotions that I felt through of like staying up late, trying to figure it out, and you, you're telling me that it's trash based on whatever it is. Yeah, it's, or that you don't appreciate it, whatever it is. Like, yeah, I'm, I can be sensitive about um, how maybe you don't respect um, the craft or you haven't received it in a way. And I understand that too, because like not everybody's gonna appreciate what you do. But, um, Charlemagne says a lot when I listen to his podcast that you're never as bad as they say you are, but you're also never as good as they say you are. So you need to find the balance between both. So when you put it out there, you know that the criticism is going to come and regardless, it's not as bad as they say it is. And the praise too keeps you humble because it's also not as good as you think it is. Don't. Now, here's the hardest question. Okay. I studied. Three songs to get you in or out of the mood. Drake. Um, that's the artist. And the song. Oh my god. So many songs. But you know what? You can do all three, Drake. I'm gonna do I'm gonna do one first. Um, Outstanding. The song Outstanding. I'm gonna do my wedding song, The Gap Band. By The Gap Band. That's gonna be my wedding song. Um, Still need the husband, but song is down. I told you I'm gonna pull some cards for you mm -hmm. and I'll see if we get a king. Um, or a jack, but. Oh, uh, no, 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 a uh, king. Okay, cool. Okay. You know which one. Mm -hmm. um, what kind of insurance you got? But, anyways, <laughs> don't cover husbands. Um, but um, Outstanding by The Gap Band makes me really happy um i need a drake song i need a drake song and it can be for any mood so angry sad pumped up yeah um pissed off drake over okay is very instrumental in my journey and that brings me back to a time where i felt like i was turning super saiyan too so um I don't know lyrics to songs, but I know the first 10 words of that song really well, so that does something to me. Golden. Living my life like it's golden. Living my life like it's golden. I'm not gonna lie, I've ran to that song and been like, this song is amazing. Yup. Yup. So, I wonder if I can do a mix with all three of those songs. If you do, call it a black and white two mix. Okay, great. So, two T O O. T O O, yes. Lastly, what words, especially since you work with the youth, mm. would you leave the youth with? What word, young people, if you're hearing this, because you will, this was designed for you to hear and embrace the change. Um, so the word that I would leave them with is change. Embrace it, look for it, trust it, because it's the one thing that you can run away from thank you so much for dropping all these bars i feel like mixtape is coming soon thank you with all the bars you dropped in this episode for <laughs> um 
um, how to do that as a little mix that you're a DJ. Hope you got that connection. I, I, see, I, see, I see, I see, I see. You deserve it. there. Thanks. Oh, 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 got it. Okay, cool. As always, you can join the conversation and follow us at Black Man Cry 2. That's T-O-O. And you can find us on Instagram as well as YouTube. Thank you for tuning in. <laughs>